Today, keep it 100, part two. Take it away, my friend. Thank you, thank you. Hey, guys, real quick, while we're clapping, I mean, this is Joy Sunday. We're excited to be here. Let's just give Jesus another uh, round of applause. We just... Jesus, you are so good. You are so awesome. We thank you. Just keep just keep, keep it up, guys. Come on. We just thank you, God. We just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. God, we are here today to say that we choose to be mindful of the good things around us. We choose to be mindful of you working in our lives today. God, we thank you that... Though this season may be tough, God, that it doesn't define our story. God, we thank you that you are rewriting the ending. God, we thank you that you lead us in triumph, that you give us victory in Jesus' name. You are worthy of praise this morning. You are worthy of our worship. So we just give it to you, God. We direct it to you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. God, we pray that as we continue in your word, Lord, that you would just speak to us, that you would illuminate your word, that you would illuminate our hearts, that you would lead us into transformation this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm feeling a little aggressive this morning, and I, I don't really know what that means, but I'm just, I'm like, I'm feeling aggressive. That's all I can say. How many of you guys know last week we talked about uh, Psalm 100? We talked about the fact that God has called us to be worshipers and how that's our identity and how even when we don't feel like it, that we've got to learn to keep it 100. We've got to learn to be true to that, to be authentic to that. And, uh, but how many of you guys know that whenever you learn something new, whenever you uh, become aware of, of something that it's often not too long before that's tested in your life, and especially uh, in our walk with the Lord. As we uh, hope to mature in Him, you can believe that as soon as you take something on and you want to apply it to your life, that you'll get hands-on training pretty quick. Um, and so it, it was just kind of interesting that last week we talked about the times where, you know, where the Bible encourages us to praise the Lord like we just did. We don't really feel like it. You know, in this atmosphere, in this setting, it, it, it's kind of easy to generate that because, you know, we, we, we just were in God's presence. We are even now. And so we're mindful of it. So it's, it's right, right there. We're able to just jump into that. But, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock after lunch, you're sitting at your desk. It may be not so easy, right? And for me personally, um, this week has been just like just the mehest week ever. Just meh. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just felt tired the whole week. I feel wore out. I don't know if it's like seasonal allergy stuff. I had something going on, like still getting used to living up here. You know, uh, next month will be a, a whole year for us. So maybe there's like some fall allergies. I don't know. Summer allergies. I don't know. Whatever it is, I feel like I was huffing uh, Sharpies all week. Like my, my head was just like, like out there. Um, and then even like I had like a messenger from Satan show up when I was finishing my notes. You're like, that's spiritual. No, it was just like this, the fastest spider I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I was like, I'm, like, finishing my notes. I'm getting to the end. I'm, like, yeah, this is so good. And then out of, I just see it, like, it's just jumping around. Uh, but I ain't scared of no spiders, so I started just trying to get it. Um, it got away, and then I was scared. Um, but I'm just, like, banging on, like, trying to, like, ten, it's, like, 10 at night. Jamie's, like, checking on me, like, oh, my God, someone trying to break into the house. What's happening? Um, it was just me battling. So there's been some opposition this week. And so I'm feeling a little aggressive because now I'm here. And you know what? Praise God, his word is alive. And it's, I just feel like. All right, Monday I might have been like, oh, maybe I'll tap out for this week. Maybe someone else can do part two. But, um, you know, I, I know that, um, that God's word is true and that God's word is active and that it's moving and operating in our lives. And so this was just for me at least a, a field study. This was like a test case for me. And so I'm thankful this morning that, that we can learn from God's word and that we can actually use it in our life. That it's not just something that we just read or learn about or just clap for, but it's something that can actually transform us. Right? What a, what a, um, a victory to be able to have something that we can go to, to have a manual that we can go to that can help us in the struggles in life. When we can learn to tap into the presence of God, even when we don't feel like it, how that will change our situation. He's the source, and as we can be mindful of that, or we talked about it last week, how praise changes our perspective, how even when we don't really feel like it, if we can learn to, um, to come to God and offer him that sacrifice anyways, that he will, offer, that he will transform us in that moment. One thing that we talked about last week was see something, say something, and that's what I really want to just put in front of us again today, that when we see God active in our lives, when we see God moving around us, even if it's in, in a time in our life where everything else is bleak or maybe has this dark outlook, when we can see something that points to Jesus, that we will align ourselves with that, that we will speak up, that we will um, raise our hand to that, that, we will join in with that because it will begin 
to, cha uh, to change our perspective. Amen. So uh, we covered verses 1 through 3 last week. It says, make a, a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Today we're picking up on verse 4. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. His faithfulness to all generations. Me and Elliot were having a conversation on the way to church today. And, uh, and I, was just talking, I was talking to him. And he's just like, okay, whatever. Like we're the perfect match because we both just like to talk a lot. And, uh, and so he doesn't really know words yet, so I get to just talk to him more. Um, but we're talking, and I was, I was kind of blown away because I was kind of just going over some of this stuff in my head, like, to, just so I could be ready when I, when I get up here. Like, you know, I was trying to prime the pump a little bit. I was like, man, Elliot, isn't it so awesome? I was like, you know, God is, is good. And, his, you know, his, his uh, love endures forever. And he's faithful to all generations. And I had this revelation just saying that to him. I was like, wow, that God has been faithful to me my whole life. For 31 years, God has been faithful to me. He's been faithful every step of the way. And I told Elliot, I said, and he'll be faithful for your whole life. Isn't that good to know that, that God's promises don't expire? That, you know, th I think about this and I think about how we um, aspire to live lives of legacy and, like, leave this, like, this, honor, this honorable story and, like, this legacy of our character behind and, you know, we do all we can in, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever it is, so that people will remember us. So somebody that we impact the world in some way. And so we have that little stretch of time where we're trying to, you know, just do our best to be someone that's, that's of good character, someone that's honorable, someone that's trustworthy. God for all eternity has been faithful. God for all eternity has been good. That, that part, uh, like, it's just it's crazy because how hard is it in our short time on this earth? To live lives that, that are honorable. But think about this. For all eternity, God has been faithful to his character. God has been just and he's been righteous in all of his ways for all of time, before time. That's worthy of praise right there. So I just want us to take a look into this second half of Psalm 100 this morning. And one of the first things that jumps out to me is, is this idea of, of the gates. And, you know, I think we all have a, a, a basic understanding of what a gate does. Right? It's like it opens, it closes, it lets you in, it lets you out. You know, if, if you want people in, you open the gate. If you want people out, you close the gate. Right? And in this time, same thing. The, the gate was a very important part of the city. Um, it, was, it would kind of determine who was allowed in and, and who wasn't. Um, but at the same time, it was also kind of like a hub of activity. Okay? So at the gate, you would have, they had court there. You know, they had people, you know, they got there, they were partied a little too hard and rode their donkey into town, you know, and crashed into something, like they would have to appear at the court and receive their, their punishment there, their verdict. Um, they had, like, trades and stuff go down there. Bless you. Uh, praise God. They had, uh, you know, the markets usually were centered around this area, and so there was a lot of, of a buzz around. There was, this was a place where announcements were made. This was, these were places of gathering, okay? So the, the gates were pretty central to the cities back then. And, um, at the same time, they were also, as important as they were, they were also one of the weakest points in the defense of the city. Because, you know, it's a lot easier to get through a gate than a wall. All you got to do is watch, like, Lord of the Rings or something like that. What are they doing? They're always trying to attack the gate. They're always trying to get through the gate. And so the gates are heavily defended because to possess the gate is to possess the city. So if you can control the gate, if you can determine who gets to come in and who gets to go out, then you essentially control the city. So they were heavily guarded. They were watched over and protected. And so having this mindset, right, knowing about the gates, how good is it that the Bible tells us that we can enter God's gates with thanksgiving? That the gates are open to us. The gates aren't closed to you today. You're not an enemy of God. The gates are wide open. Right? When, when the enemy shows up, what happens? The gates close. Everyone goes to their positions on the wall. Everyone gets in, in, ready for defense. And, and the last thing you're going to do is come through the gate. But because we're friends of God, because we're sons and daughters, the gates are wide open to us this morning. And so I want us to be mindful of that. I want us to understand and realize the truth that's in this simple statement, that we can enter God's gates with thanksgiving, that we enter his courts with praise. 
I love this, though, that, that we just have, that we can have this confidence that we can come into God's presence, that we don't have to worry about being turned away. How many of you guys have ever walked into, like, a setting, into a meeting or anything like that, a class or a lunchroom, and you're not really sure if you're going to be accepted, you don't know where you're going to sit, you don't know what their judgment of you is going to be, so you kind of walk in a little bit hesitant. Maybe you walked in here today for the first time and you didn't know what to expect, and you're just kind of like, uh, but when you walk in and you're welcomed, how does that change your perspective? How does that change the way you act in the place? You are accepted in the presence of the king. You have a standing invitation. Listen, we do not worship God for access, okay? We don't come together in times like this so that we can beg God to show up and come with us. We worship God. We don't worship him for access. We worship him because we've been given access. It's a response, okay? We worship God because we've been given access. It's a response to our invitation that he's given us. So we don't have to try to live these lives. When we're talking about keeping it 100, what we're talking about is, is those times where we don't feel like it, that we would offer up a sacrifice of praise to God so that he will change us, so that he will adjust our hearts and realign us. We're not saying work harder, try harder, force your way into the presence of God. No, God has already has the gates wide open to you. The way in is through thanksgiving. So what we're saying here is that we're just going to respond to the invitation. We're going to get out of our own way. And we're going to allow God to be God. We're going to allow him to bring the transformation. And so if we're going to do this, if we're going to live lives of thanksgiving, if we're going to live lives as thankful people, people who are, are people of praise, then we've got to ground ourselves in some truth, right? Our thankfulness can't be conditional. It can't be based on, on our circumstance. It can't be based on what we see around us, on what's going through. So we need to, we need to ground our, our reason for being thankful in some truth this morning. And how convenient that Psalm 100, as it continues, gives us the very reason that we need. It says to give thanks to him and to bless his name. It says, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations. If you have no other reason to praise God in your life today, then just focus on these three things. A, that the Lord is good, that he's good and only good, that no matter what happens, that he is kind in all of his ways, that he's righteous in all of his works, that everything that God does from all eternity on has been good, that he's faithful to his word, that he watches over you, that if, if you're going through something difficult now, that you can know that he's working that together for good, that God is good in all his ways, that his character is sure. Be that his steadfast love endures forever. It endures forever. I, how many of you guys have had bad experiences with love? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to do that. All right, I'm sorry. I just, I like loaded that question. Hey, how many of you guys uh, hate love? Uh, no, but how many of you guys, seriously, with people, with human, like feelings are fickle, okay? And love isn't always the best encounter. So how awesome that we have a God whose love is steadfast. That word steadfast is powerful. That word steadfast, it, it means a lot of stuff. I wrote it down somewhere in here and I can't find it, but it's awesome. It's dependable. It's constant. You can always go to it. It's trustworthy. When we first built this stage, I was a little, I didn't know, because I was like, you kind of make some noises sometimes when you're in some certain spots. I don't know if we're going to fall through. I don't know what's happening. But the more time I've spent up here, I'm, the more excited I get. Like, I can just do whatever I want, because I know, <laughs> fall through, because <laughs> I know this stage will hold me. I know the love of God is steadfast. And listen, if, if you're, if you're kind of new to this thing, and you're still trying to figure out if you can depend on God, if you can trust him, if he loves you or not, that's fine. But you're going to know the more and more you look to him that his love is steadfast, that he's always there. Every time you turn to him, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, that his love is dependable. Come on, that's reason to praise God. That's reason to be thankful in a world where we have to earn love. Aren't you glad that, that God loves us freely, that God gives it, pours his love out constantly, that it's steadfast, that his love even searches for us? That's the thing that blows my mind because I'm a guy, I'm outgoing, I'm loving, but at times it's... I'm, it's conditional. I have a reciprocal love. If you love me, if I know you like me, here I am. If you reject me or you push me to the side, whatever. You're about to see gangster Josh. You're going to see a whole other side of Josh, okay? God isn't like that. God's love is steadfast. His love searches for us. How many of you guys can search for, can like openly and willingly love people who have rejected you? That's hard. But that's God's character. That's reason to be thankful. He's good. His steadfast love endures forever. And finally, his faithfulness is to all generations. And you, what that means is you can take him to the bank. You can trust in God that he has a long 
strong record of being true to who he is, of being true to what he says. Not a single word that has come out of God's mouth, mouth has fallen to the ground. Everything God says happens. When God opens his mouth, when God speaks, stuff changes. That's amazing. I being the father of a two-year-old, I'm kind of dreading the day when they're like, we're driving home, they're like, hey, can we, can we get some McDonald's? And I'll have to be like, McDonald's is bad for you. We'll never eat that. Don't judge me. Uh, no, but like, yeah, later. And then I forget what's going to happen. Like, you said, you said. I'm going to be driving to McDonald's 2 a.m. in the morning because I got to keep my word to my son, right? God doesn't forget what he's spoken. God doesn't forget his promises. God, when he says something, he sees it through. And so we can be thankful this morning that God is faithful. And he wasn't just faithful to your dad and to your mom. He's not just going to be faithful to the people to come after you, but he's faithful today. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's faithful to all generations. So we know we should be thankful, but why be thankful? Why be thankful? Number one, thankfulness grounds us in truth. Thankfulness grounds us in truth. And as you guys know, because you've lived on this planet more than one day, um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes stuff isn't all joy Sunday balloons and everyone clapping and shouting. Sometimes life is hard. And uh, I think that we would do ourselves a favor to, to learn how to handle those situations in life. And so we're going to uh, read real quick out of Psalm 42. It says this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession of the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. This is keeping 100. This is the same guy, guy that wrote that. And he's talking about, I remember the times where we used to line up and sing your praise and go to the house of God. I remember that. That was a good time. In verse 5, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and from Mount Mazar. I hope I pronounced those correctly. I was going to look them up, and I forgot. I'm sorry. While we're being honest, I also forgot to get the buckets ready for uh, offerings. Sorry, Pastor. But you prayed long enough that we were able to scramble and get those. So good job. <laughs> but look, we just want to be transparent in the house of God. All right. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? I just, this wasn't in the notes, but I wrote this in my Bible like a while back, and I just got to share it with you guys. I love this because he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? We need to know that we can take our doubts to our certainty. That we can take the questions that we have in life to the one that we know is the rock, the one that never changes, the one that's solid, that he can handle those perfectly. Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. So this is the same guy that wrote... Psalm 100, our mantra, what we're trying to establish as a pattern in our life. This is, we want this to be our motto, right? That when we don't feel like praising God, when we're just, either we're just lazy or we're depressed or whatever's going on and we don't want to praise God, that we can look to Psalm 100 and say, this is the roadmap, this is the direction back into God's presence, back into the heart of worship. Yes, let's do it. Then you find out the guy that wrote it, wrote Psalm 42. And he's like, oh my, so look, I've had some tough times in life super hard, but like, I've had some, some struggles. I've never struggled so much that I'm like, oh, my soul within me, why are you in turmoil? Like, I've never had that dialogue with myself. Um, so this dude's pretty down. Like, he's, he's facing some stuff. But I think we need to understand and realize at this point in his life, David had lived a pretty good life. He had had some victories. He had, he had seen some, some big accomplishments and feats happen in his life that he... Um, had acquired some, some level of fame, that he was living a, probably a pretty nice life. He was close to the royal family. He was like BFFs with the king's son. He was uh, a confidant, a close, he was close to the king himself. The king would bring him in. 
whenever he was struggling with stuff and, and he would sing to him and play, play for him. And so he, he was living a pretty good life. It was in the palace. It was nice, you know, doing all this, this good stuff. But all of it changed in a, in a moment, in an instant. And so now he's being hunted, like literally hunted down, persecuted. He's on the run. He's walking away from the promise. He's walking away from the palace. Because remember, he was destined to be king. So he's walking away from all this that he thought he already had accomplished. And he's walking into this literal wilderness. And that's where he is. And I want us to understand today that we all have a wilderness in front of us. If you've not already been through it, if you're not currently in it today, that it's, it's, it's ahead of you. And I don't say that to bring you down. I don't say that to, you know, preach doom and gloom or nothing like that. But it's just reality. But I'm actually here to give us hope today that there's another reality, that no matter what we go through in life, that even if it's real, because if you talk to someone that's pessimistic, they'll just be like, I'm just a realist. I just see the world for the way it is. And so we can't be naive, right? If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd probably be a pessimist. I, I, don't, I, I quickly realize when things aren't going the way I want them to go. Okay, I, I'm fully aware. As, as I see the cup falling down, I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's definitely half empty, not half full. Okay, uh, so it's, it's easy for us to look at, at what we're losing in life, at what's not going our way. But because of Jesus, come on, he, he actually gives us a new reality that trumps the reality of what we're going on. So I'm not saying that we have to walk around and just pretend like everything's okay, that we're too blessed to be stressed. I'm not saying that because... Baby, I'm stressed sometimes, okay? There's stuff going on, and it's hard, and it's difficult, but praise God that he's given us victory, and that he's given us his word to stand on, and that he's given us reason to celebrate and to be thankful. Amen? So that's where we're at. And Jesus told us that we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. How many of you know that you have an enemy out there, you have an adversary, and you better believe he's got a strategy? You better believe that he's trying to work some angles and do some things. And so we would do ourselves a favor to be wise to that. To, to prepare now in the good times for what's ahead. Because how many of you know when you get hit out of nowhere, the, la- the last thing you want to do is fight back. But if you're prepared and if you're ready, when life hits you in the mouth, you don't have to run away. You can stand there and you can plant your feet on God's word and you can believe in what he said to you and you can believe in what he's spoken. And so David, he, at, at this time in his life, he, he had been so high and now he's, he's feeling a little low. But what does he do? He starts stirring up reasons and things to be thankful for. He starts remembering God's character. He starts practicing his faithfulness, rehearsing God's goodness. He starts remembering why he was in that place, in the palace in the first place, why God, how, what God was already doing in his life. He starts to thank God for what he's done and for who he is. But what happens is, is David starts to experience the truth of God in a way that far surpasses the truth of his situation his emotions, of his, of his wilderness experience, whatever he's walking into. And as we do the same thing, come on, God begins to transform our perspective. At, at some point, David stops looking back. He stops looking back at what he's leaving behind. He stops looking back at, at the promise and at what he thought that he was going to have. And, and he starts to look within. And when he looks in, that's when the, the Bible tells us that, that deep starts to call out to deep. Psalm 42, verse 7, in the, uh, in the Passion Translation says, My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. What I love about David is that he was a man after God's heart, that he was a man that knew all about God's presence, that as he was pinning Psalm 100, may have been mindful of, of the tabernacle and how you would approach the tabernacle, you would enter through the gate, and that you would... Uh, hang out in the courts, and you would praise God there because only the priests were allowed to go any further. So this was a man who was familiar with, with the house of the Lord. He was familiar with the presence of God. And uh, what I love about the tabernacle is that it's actually a picture of God's willingness, of God's presence among his people, even in their wilderness. That these were people who had come out of exile and who were headed towards a promise but wandered for 40 years through a desert. That even in that place, even in, in the place of, of wandering and wilderness, that God said, I will be with you in that place. And that he established a picture for them there. God still meets with his people in the wilderness today. That no matter where you're going, 
through no matter what's happening, no matter how bleak the situation, no matter what the circumstance looks like, that God is still willing to meet with you in his wilderness today. I thought about using the lapel because I knew I was going to have to do this one-handed, and I thought it would be hard, and I was right, but that's all right. I forgot. Um, so I say this today out of experience. We talked about last year, or last year, last week. It's been a long week, guys. It felt like a year. Uh, I said this last week that, uh, that God wants us to know him with experience, not to just know him uh, mentally, not to just read books and, and hear sermons and podcasts, but God wants us to know him with experience, that he wants us to try him in our lives, to see him uh, approved in our life. And, uh, and so I can talk to you about going through wilderness and stuff like that because I've had some experience there. And because we're close friends and we love each other so much, I'm actually going to open up a little bit. I'm going to share it to you guys from my journal. Um, if you ever open this journal and I'm not around, I will shoot you. Uh, it'd be bad. Uh, don't do that, please. I'll cry. Um, and so this is actually brand new journal, first entry, beginning of the year. This was in January. And it says this, everything sucks. <laughs> I go on to write in full detail why everything sucks at this point in life. But it basically can be summed up in those two words, everything sucks. And so I don't stand here talking to you about life can be hard at times, blah, blah, blah. I don't even, I used to make fun of David, be like, oh, poor David, he's having a bad day. No. I'm like, oh, dear, God bless you, David. Thank you for giving us this direction through this, this, these seasons of the soul because, man, every, sometimes everything sucks. And I just I can't put it any more plainly than that. But what do we do when, when this happens? You're going to love this. Uh, you be thankful. You be thankful. The Bible instructs us in everything, in every season, in every circumstance to be thankful. What I love about it is that when God commands us to do something, that he also will grace us to do it. Amen. That God won't demand that we be thankful and say, thank you, sir, may I have another, without giving us the grace to get through it. And so we actually can look into God's word for some more encouragement in this. Um, but I just want us, again, to, to be mindful of this idea that, that we have to eventually stop looking back, have to stop looking at what we expected or what we thought was going to happen. And we have to start looking within and see what God is doing in us currently so that deep will begin to call it to deep. I love it in the Passion Translation, again, how it says, my deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. Listen, there is something huge that is asleep on the inside of you. It's laying dormant, and it, will, it, won't, it won't come to life in the palace. It won't come to life in your promise. It'll only come awake when you're desperate for God. When you're in those wilderness moments, in those wilderness seasons of the soul, and when something inside of you, it's not satisfied by anything else going on in life. It's not satisfied by anything that this world can offer. It's only satisfied by him. And once you realize that, once you begin to cry out for God, when you have nothing else to look forward to, when he's your only hope, he comes through. And that awakens something on the inside of you. You become alive in your purpose. So there is, there is a purpose for what, what you go through in life. It's not because God is cruel. It's not because he's doing some kind of lab experiment where he's watching you like, like a guinea pig. No, he's actually wanting to prove himself in your life in a new way. Thankfulness reminds us of God's character. Thankfulness reminds us of God's character. That's our second point. It seems contrary to what we would think, but it's these places in life that we should be most thankful for. We should be most thankful for. Because think about it. When everything is good, it's real easy just to jump in and go along with the crowd. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, it's awesome. There's balloons everywhere. Praise God. I love the balloons. I don't know why I keep talking about them, but I really do like them. Elliot's going to take one home, so praise God. Um, but it's easy to do that. What's hard is when you don't feel like it. What's hard is when you have to do it for yourself, when you have to take the training wheels off. and you have to. But, you know, it's so rewarding because in those seasons, in those moments, you find out for yourself. We talked about it last week that you can't argue with someone's experience. And God wants to give us experience of who he is. And so it's the hard seasons in life that we should be most thankful for. That's hard to say. It's harder to live. But it's true. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says that we should be thankful for everything. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. This is the worst, worst verse in the Bible right here. 
Rejoice always. I don't know if I should say that. Sorry, guys. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's the will of God. The will of God isn't like share this post on Facebook or have a bigger outreach or do more stuff, put on more events, um, get, go you know knock on everyone's door and get everyone saved. That's not, I don't have to go live in Africa. That's not the will of, the will of God is what? What'd you say? Listen, it'd be, it'd be easier to go to Africa. It'd be easier to do all those things than to be thankful in every situation, in every circumstance. How many of you guys have been in, at that place in life where you're like, God, just show me your will. God, just tell me what to do. God, just lead the way. I'll follow. Uh, lead my feet out where oceans and waters are. I forgot. It's been a long time since I heard that song. God, lead me and I'll go. Show me your will. I know that happens at youth camp. It happens to me all the time. That's why I'm going to see the park. Here I am. Be careful what you say because God will hear you. Uh, but be thankful in every situation, in every circumstance. That's the will of God. On one hand, I'm thankful that he makes it clear. This is my will. Thank you. Uh, you want to change your mind a little bit? We maybe make it something else? No, this is my will, to be thankful in every circumstance. But like David, like we read about, you know, we, our life is a journey as well, and it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be stuff that happens. And so it's the will of God that we be thankful in all circumstances, in all seasons, at all times, because that's, that's the key into his presence. It, it, it's like no matter what goes on, because look, this is just going to happen. In this world, in this earth, stuff's going to happen in the world. Tragedy's going to strike. Right? Glaciers are going to melt. Stuff's going to happen. This world, guys, do you know that what we believe as Christians is that, is that this, this earth is going to pass away? So, I mean, I'm all for us being supportive of things, but to, get, to invest your entire life in, in a political cycle or in this movement over here or this or try to do this or that and this, when the Bible says that this whole earth is going to pass away, kind of spinning your wheels. Like, we know that this is what's coming. And so, that's just part of life is stuff happens. Stuff is hard. Stuff goes on, and it's not always um, going to be, you know, just rainbows and butterflies. But there's hope. And that's why he's saying, no matter what happens, what, I want us to look at it like this. I don't want us, I don't want us to look at it and say, uh, when stuff is hard, be thankful. I don't want us to like, uh, thank you for this hard stuff. I really appreciate it. No, it's, it's more like this. I want you to live, God's saying, I want you to live in my presence. I want you to live in communion with me. I want you to be like this. And stuff's going to happen to come and, and deter you and take you away from that and distract you and disappoint you and discourage you. But just stay thankful. Because if you can stay thankful, you'll stay in my presence. Because if you can stay in my presence, then, then I can, I'll, you'll see that I'm your source and that I'll help you through the despair, that I'll help you through the d- discouragement, through the fear. I'll help you through that. Hey, amen. A lot of y'all got your eyes closed. Wake up. All right, so um, this is good news this morning. This is good news. Life is hard, but it's hard for everybody. We have an answer. We have a hope. We've got to learn to be thankful so that we can stay in his presence, so that we can get our eyes off of our situation, so that we can see the world around us, the world that's hurting, the world that's perishing, the world that needs a savior. That's why we need to be thankful, because it's bigger than us. Philippians 4, 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. That's confusing. Man, I hope y'all get to do this one day. You'd be like, man, Josh isn't special. Um, all right, so we talked about, about thankfulness uh, grounding us in truth. We talked about it reminding us of God's character. Uh, number three, thankfulness keeps us close. Keeps us close. When we realize that thankfulness is the key to God's presence, it keeps us close. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. See the theme here. Like, stop reading the Bible, Josh. You're just making us be more thankful for stuff that we don't want to be thankful for. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Look, I don't know about you. And I don't know if this is proven or not. But to me, in my life, rejoicing doesn't always look like that. It's not always, praise God, brother. Sometimes rejoicing is just me deciding not to give up. Me saying, okay, there's still hope. I will trust you still. Sometimes that's what it looks like for me. But he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want us to look at this. The Lord is at hand. This is a little, little phrase he says in there. The Lord is at hand. And this phrase was actually used by the early Christians very frequently. You have to realize these guys were just decades removed from Jesus coming to the earth, giving his life on the cross, coming back to life, and ascending into heaven. Like, they were just years removed from that happening. And so there was some excitement and some buzz. They were like, hey, don't forget. Hey, we're, okay, we're, we're going to, to the weekly potluck. All right, well, here we are. Hey, guys, don't forget. The Lord is at hand. Don't forget, Jesus, he's coming back. Okay, all the stuff that he told us, we, we need to be putting it into practice because he's coming back. Don't forget. And so they would use this to keep that at the forefront of their mind. And what it would do is it would, it would just drum up this encouragement and this anticipation for the Lord's return. And so Paul says it here. He says, hey, the Lord is at hand. And this is the reason why we can be joyful. This is the reason why we can, we can give thanks and we can be thankful and look forward, even though this situation is happening. Because, look, this is going to all end. This is just temporary. This is just going on for now, but he's coming back. We saw, the, we saw it for ourselves. He's coming back. This was, a, this was a promise that was made thousands of years in advance. The people all throughout the Old Testament, before Jesus came, they, they were waiting with anticipation for the Savior. They were waiting in expectation. They, were, they, just, they knew that he was coming, and they held on to that, and they stood on it through wilderness, through trial, through fire, through all of it. They stood on this promise, and today we're in the same place. We, we, we're waiting, but, but it won't be long, and we get to say, the Lord is at hand. He's coming back. Don't forget, what's going on is temporary. What this does is it changes our paradigm. It changes our perspective. It takes it off of this stuff going on here. You guys are great, and I'm not, just, I'm not talking about y'all, but like just, it takes us from looking like this, and we start to look like this, because we know that that's what's in store. That's what's ahead. That's what's in our future. It's because of this that we cannot be anxious. It's because of this look. If you know that, um, all right, I'm going to just use Elliot again. Elliot doesn't understand yet that, okay, so he asks for these little donuts all the time, these little hostess donuts. And he doesn't know that when he actually gets one, that he's actually getting closer to the bottom of the bag. So when he finishes, finishes all the donuts, and they're all gone, and he asks for another one, we can't give it to him, there's a little problem there. He has a little, little meltdown, a little bit. Okay, we're working on it. Praise God. He's learning to be thankful in all situations. Um, but it happens, okay? If you know that the donuts are going to run out in the bag, then you'll learn to stop looking at the bag. You'll look to the one who can buy you another bag. Does that make sense? I'm trying to do, do a little analogy here. But if you know this world's going to pass away, if you know this world is temporary, then you know that your pain is temporary. Then you know that your struggle is temporary. That this test that you're going through, this wilderness, this wandering is temporary but that you actually have a far greater reward in your future. And so you can actually look beyond what's happening around you. You can, you can actually almost like transcend your situation and what's going on and focus on heaven and focus on the promise to come. And because of this, anxiety starts to fall away. How many of you guys know that anxiety, it's like, that's a mother, man. You're like trying to sleep at night and you just start wondering and worrying about like this or that and you're like, why am I even thinking about this right now? Are you trying to plan out like your whole career? You'll have like, if I have these four conversations in this order, then I'll get a promotion, which will lead me to get to this house, and then I can get this car, and then we can go to this school, and then and you start to do all this stuff, and then one thing happens that doesn't line up with that. It's a killer, man. But when you can learn to get off of all this stuff going on here, that's when the anxiousness, anxiousness starts to fall away. When you can be thankful in those situations and get back into the presence of God, what happens? He says that his peace will guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. Because that's what anxiety and fear and doubt, that's what it comes for. It comes for your mind. It comes for your heart. It wants to just, just run you through the ringer. But if you'll focus on Jesus, come on, it can't get you. He'll protect you. Finally, number four, thankfulness sets our gaze. It fixes our focus. Colossians 4, chapter, verse 2. Why are you calling the verses chapters? What's going on? Uh, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This is not only a command, but it's also a solution. Because if we look, if we look at it one chapter before, Paul's actually addressing the church and he's telling them, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Sounds a lot like what we just talked about. He's telling them, look, I know you got stuff going on in life. Stop looking at what's going on. Come on, set your mind on the things above. Set your things, um, set, set your thought in your, in your mind on Christ where you're actually seated even now. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And it goes on to continue, and I'd encourage you to read through that on your own time. But it talks about putting to death the things of this world, the things that we used to walk in. And it talks about putting on uh, the likeness of Christ, putting on humility, putting on uh, kindness and meekness and patience, forgiving people. Come on, this is stuff that we need help with. I mean, sometimes it's hard enough to put off the old things, but now you want us to put on new stuff too? That's hard. How do we do that? We do it by continuing steadfastly in prayer and being watchful in thanksgiving. That, why? Because the thanksgiving brings us into his presence. He's the one that changes us. It's in his presence that we're transformed. You can work all the day long at trying to be humble and trying to be meek and patient and kind, but you still have to drive through Austin traffic. So good luck. But when you can stay in the presence of God and allow his presence to transform you, that's where it happens. If we flip back to back one page to Philippians, where we just were in chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. It says, uh, For everything, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious. And then in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, be thankful of these. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. How many times have we read that, that as we can be thankful, that the God of peace will show up? In the chaos and the turmoil that comes to us in life, if we can learn to be thankful, to get into God's presence, we'll actually find that the God of peace, the peace that passes understanding, comes to us. People will look at our lives, look this because this is what it's about, guys. Our lives are for his glory. And so if we go through hard stuff and we can find ways to be thankful and we can find ways to stay before the Lord, people around us who go through similar things will start to look at us and be like, I thought I thought your house got foreclosed on. What happened? Why why aren't you more worried? Why aren't you why aren't you stressing out? Why aren't you why are you being kind? Why are you giving to other people? Why are you helping other people with their needs when you just got evicted from your home? When we can stay thankful and we can stay in the presence of God and allow him to continue to work in our lives, even in our tough situations, maybe the world around us, maybe our neighbor who's going through something similar will we'll see the difference. And maybe they'll, they'll want to know, how are you handling this so well? Look, you can, you can go to all the self-help seminars and read all the books you want to, but it's still yourself you're depending on. And so I'm thankful today that we have a God that has every answer, that provides every need, and that has opened the gate to us and said, hey, this is the way. Just be thankful. Whatever goes on, whatever happens, it's going to be hard. Life is going to be tough at times, but the door's open. You can always come to me. I'll always have an answer for you. This is how we practically do what we just read in Colossians 3. Because it's, it's all gravy if I tell you, set your mind on things above. Don't look down here. Just set your mind on things above. What does that mean? You want me to think about angels and streets of gold? No. No, no, no. Because Paul in, in, the chat, in the book before says, hey, whatever things are worthy of praise, set that your mind on that. Whatever's going on. Because look, whatever's happening here on earth is just a glimpse of what you're going to experience in eternity. Come on, the goodness of God in your life now is just... It's just a moment of what you're going to experience for all the rest of eternity. And we need to be mindful of this today, that as believers, as Christians, this is what we live for. We, we live for what's after this as well. We believe that we're not just living for a dash on our tombstone. There's, there's more to life than that. That This is just a step into our final destination. And so as we can learn to be thankful, as we can learn to set our mind on what God is doing, it'll, it'll take us off of what's going on. And set it on eternity. Set it on 
heaven. Set it on our time together with him. Will we be restored? Will we be made new? Paradigm is, uh, the word paradigm is actually a reference to a set pattern or way that we see the world. Not with our physical eyes, but in terms of our assumptions, our beliefs, our overall perspective. Come on, I want to ask you today, I want to encourage you, are you seeing your world through your beliefs? Or are you seeing it through your circumstance? Because sometimes faith sees things that we can't see here. And as a people of God, we are called to live by faith. So we need a paradigm shift. We need to to shed off the old assumptions that just because we get a bad report, that just because we get a, uh, a letter in the mail, that that's the final verdict. We need to change our assumptions. We need to stop jumping to conclusions because the author of life is here and he wants to change the story. We need a praise perspective. We need a praise perspective. Whatever is good in life, whatever is happening that is going well, whatever God is doing in your life, hold on to that. Cling to that. Set your focus on that. Speak up and and praise him for that because he'll show you there's more to come. This is it. This is the thing I want you guys to catch this morning. Our level of praise cannot be determined by our temporary pain when we were made for an eternal purpose. Your willingness to praise God, the level of, of thankfulness that you're willing to show cannot be determined by a temporary situation because you were made for an eternal purpose. And that's to praise God. That's to glorify his name. That's that your, that your life would be a walking testimony to the goodness of God. And I'm just, I'm so thankful today because life is hard. Stuff does happen in life. But we don't have to just go with the flow. We can stand on God's word. And we can know with confidence that he has an open invitation to us. To come into his presence. To, to stay there. Because look, we, we enter with thanksgiving but we dwell with praise we enter with thanksgiving but we dwell in the courts of the lord with praise come on that's the place where we need to live our lives no matter what's going on around us we can praise god because he's at work he's doing something powerful in our lives and look i want to just encourage you that that the wilderness it comes to an end eventually whatever you're going through it 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 comes to an end and this is one thing i noticed when i was reading about this because it talked about the uh you know, about the tabernacle and, this, and, and then the Ark of the Covenant was actually a symbol, like representation, like that God was here and like it was in, it was hosted in the tabernacle. But they made this out of a certain tree called the uh, acacia tree. And I'm like thinking, all right, well, if you make a box that's supposed to represent God being here, God's presence, that is holding God's presence, even though he's not contained to this, it's just, it just was more of a sign of his willingness to be present among them. If, if we're making this box, God. Can we use some, some oak, some maple, some cherry, some, you know, some walnut, give a nice little finish, make it look nice. But it's made out of acacia wood. And I was, I, so I just started wondering. I was like, why is it made out of acacia wood? I thought there was going to be this big revelation of why it was that tree in particular. And it turns out that that's what grew in the part, in the regions where they were wandering through. That's where, that's the tree that grew there. But then I felt like the Lord said to me so clearly that what grows in the wilderness, I'm going to use to host my presence. And so if you're wondering today, if you're going through some stuff, if if life is hard and there's trials, hang on. Because there's something growing on the inside of you. God is doing a work in you. He's completing and perfecting that which he began in you. And something's growing in your life that he's going to use to glorify his name that he's going to use to host his presence in the world around you. The, the poles that they used to carry this were plated in gold. And you, that was very strict. If you tried grabbing this thing with your hands, you're going to die. And it happened. People died. In the same way, if you want to grab hold of what God has for your life, if you want to grab hold of his purpose and the destiny that he's perfecting in your life, you got to go through some refining. We, we learned last week that that's how gold is tested, that it's stuck in a furnace and that the impurities rise up to the top. 
And so we can kick and scream and say, God, this isn't fair. But maybe there's some stuff getting worked out of us in our life. And we can be thankful today because God isn't willing to just hand us something that we're going to go off and, and, and destroy or spoil or just not handle well. But that he wants to perfect us for his glory. So just wrapping it up. I don't, I don't want this just to be another series. I don't want this just to be another idea or topic. I want this to be something that marks us. Because we need God's presence in our lives. I think we can attest to that in the moments where we feel close to him, how nothing else matters. We've got to learn how to live lives like that. So we need to just know that it's not always going to feel that way, but that that doesn't have to determine that we can choose a different outcome. So let's look for God's goodness. Let's look for his steadfast love. Let's remember his faithfulness so that that will stir up thanksgiving in our heart so that we will begin to sing his praise and we'll enter into his presence and we'll live our lives there. This world will do everything it can to distract you, to defeat you, to disappoint you. And when that happens, we forget that we, we are a people that were made for communion with God. But let's look in the book. Let's go back to the map and find our way back into his presence. Pray through this morning. Father, we thank you that you made a way for us to come into your presence, to, to be in, in relationship with you. God, as we uh, as we take communion this morning, God, I pray that you would just show us the relevance, the importance of what of what it means, of what you did for us, that you're body was broken, that your blood was poured out so that we didn't have to wander through wildernesses and through tough seasons and through heartache and disappointment on our own, but that we could have open access to you. God, we pray that here in your presence that you would transform us, that you would glorify your name through our lives, that you would give us the grace, the awareness of what you've already given us to walk this out hand in hand with you, to trust you, to look to you. God, all together this morning, we just say that you're worthy of all our praise. God, that you are indeed good and loving and faithful. God, you are kind in all of your works. You are righteous in all of your ways. We just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you that we can look to you, the good shepherd, to provide everything that we Thank you.